0: hello and welcome to what am i rolling a twice monthly rpg one-shot podcast hosted by me fiona this week i am doing something a little bit different i'll be using some of the prompts and activities from the ultimate rpg character backstory guide by james damato in order to create some interesting and engaging backstories for characters. So, you've chosen your class, you've bought your weapons, and you've rolled your stats. You are now the proud owner of your own RPG avatar. But, before you begin your adventure, there's so much more you can do with your character to make them unique. Just... How evil are they? What does their dating profile look like? Where did they get that scar? What do they want for their birthday? With fill-in-the-blank narratives, prompts, and fun activities, James D'Amato's The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory book helps players fully imagine their character and bring them to life for the ultimate gaming experience. You can buy The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory book and James's other work from all good bookshops and your friendly local game stores. I'll add a general link to them on the What of My Rolling? website, and in this episode's show notes. As I talk through each exercise as I do them, there's really no need for an overview here, so just listen and enjoy. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot wise. Whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. But what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. We're trying something new today. I've not been feeling very well. Uh, just, I think, allergies? I don't know. And I've got some time off. And I thought instead of trying a new RPG or trying a new um, game in general, solo RPG, because a a lot of the solo RPGs that I've been playing have been a little bit solitary and reflective, understandably. And I thought I'd rather try something a bit different and new and possibly not even gamey. So I thought today whatever I do, something uh, similar on our sister podcast. So I also run the DM's book club with my good friend, Ryan. And recently I put Ryan through his paces and we did a few exercises from this book called The Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide by James D'Amato. And it was really fun, actually. So basically there's like over, there's a hundred sort of uh, exercises we can do. For characters levels 1, to all the way to 20. And I thought I'd just do a couple. You know, spend some time just having... Having go through and just checking some out. So I thought I'd do do a few of those and just wax lyrical as it is. It's split up into, like, three different sections for certain levels of play. So for player characters levels 1 to 7, you have Humble Beginnings. And there's, like, 34 exercises you could do. You then have, for... Player characters levels 8 to 14, veteran heroes. And there you have around another, yeah, 36 exercises there. And then finally you have, I think, 30 exercises for player characters levels 15 to 20, which are myths and legends. There's a whole different range of them as well, so I thought I'd try some of them out. I'll just say for clarity as well, James D'Amato actually has his own one-shot podcast uh, aptly named the One Shot Podcast. i highly recommend listening to it. Um, I've actually listened to quite a few of his uh, One Shot games, which have been helpful in prepping for games I wasn't sure how to run or play. Um, so I, I definitely recommend that, especially his uh, Sleepaway One Shot that came out a little bit last year. Sitting around the table with your friends rolling dice and cross-checking charts, slaying monsters and looting treasure hordes, you know the fun the creative joy of playing role-playing games. You may have slain your first goblin whilst playing Dungeons & Dragons, but these days there are dozens of RPGs in various settings. Whether your player character is prowling around in a mouldy dungeon in search of gold, or battling a crowd of orcs on a bridge that spans a bottomless abyss, a lot of the fun of RPGs comes from how your character reacts to any given challenge. This book will help you explore this dimension of gaming. Interesting... Just reading off that, it feels like, although it's made clear like, oh, Dungeons and Dragons, because obviously you've got the levels 1 to 20 sort of in your head and the idea of um, heroes and stuff. But obviously it's trying not to pigeonhole it into a particular RPG. It kind of makes me just think it's just going to be about fantasy RPGs or questing RPGs in general rather than, say, other genres like uh, sci fi. Or um, mystery or horror, perhaps. How your player character handles a problem depends on what shaped the character into who she or he is. In these pages, you'll find exercises that will challenge you to create a richer past for the hero you were brought to life. You can complete most of these exercises on your own. Others might be more fun to do with gaming buddies. Some exercises are crafted with specific character types in mind. So there's like three types of exercise as it were there is like choose your answer from the options listed there's rolling six-sided die ten-sided die or basically rolling a die for an auto-generated answer or write your answers out so what i'm hoping to do is that most of these exercises that i do today are going to be writing out or speaking aloud sort of verbalizing my answers okay so i'm going to start with humble beginnings so that's the first chapter or the first section even And so this is for player characters from levels one to seven or sort of lower edge. It's actually quite good. There is a bit at the beginning which talks about what they can accomplish. So, for example, uh, with all the possibilities a fantasy world contains, you may find it difficult to determine what challenges you should take on. All too often, heroes shy away from challenges beneath their capability or charge headlong into situations that they are not entirely prepared for the following is a guide that provides a rough idea of what you should be able to accomplish it gives you sort of a starting point for your level so looking at levels 1 to 7 it sort of says that these sort of characters are going to be able to survive a relatively unlucky day survive an encounter with a fairly dangerous animal win a bar fight hunt a large non-magical creature fend off a coordinated bandit attack so those are sort of the areas we're, we're looking at so that Kind of makes sense. All right. So I'm going to get the random number generator out. So I'm asking for a number between 1 and 34. It's gone very high. It's gone to 32. Oh, okay. So this, this one is called mentor. And the brief description says, create a mentor for your character. Reputation, relationship, resources, skills, accessibility. Assign priorities. Okay. I think that's a good one to start with. Looking at the actual exercise, I have to pick certain things. So there is, I must select qualities of your mentor, ensuring that they have at least one each in the A, B, C, D, or E categories. And I've got reputation, relationship, resources, skill, accessibility. Okay, that makes sense, assigning priorities. Okay, right, well, we'll start at the beginning then. So this A section, I've got reputation, and of course I've got five options. The options are 1 a myth your mentor is lauded as a once in a millennium genius long after they pass from this world scholars will study their work and bards will sing songs of their deeds option 2 well respected your mentor is considered one of the world's foremost experts in their field option number 3 known to some your mentor is recognizable in certain circles but they are far from a household name. Number four, an oddity. Most do not know your mentor. Those who do know consider their work to be far outside the mainstream of their field. And finally, number five, wicked. Your mentor is rarely spoken of by anyone in their field, but when they are, it is not in kind terms. They are considered incompetent, unsound, dangerous, or some combination of the three. Well, so this is exciting. So when I choose one of these options, I can't then use that same option. So if I took number one, for example, a myth, then if I go on to the next section, I can't use option number one in that section. So it's really gonna narrow it down. So how do I wanna how do I wanna go about this? I think for me, this and this is when we're starting out as well, levels one to seven. So it's talking about sort of the power dynamics and the sort of status they have. So obviously the higher status they have. In my mind, as a player character, it will inform my respect of them. Like, obviously, if they are a very well-known or well-respected, even a myth, then that's a lot of pressure on me to live up to that as a player character. And maybe I have some thoughts and feelings about that. The opposite way, an oddity, maybe there's a reason why I am connected to this person in some way, which I'm sure we will go into, is the relationship going to be one of respect or one of sort of distrust or resentment, even if they're an oddity or even wicked. Maybe the wicked one is more about that they fell from grace in some way. That will be quite interesting. Hmm. I think I'm going to go for option D. So that's number four, an oddity. Most do not know your mentor, but those who do consider their work to be far outside the mainstream of their field. I think I quite like that because... There's not that much pressure. And I like the idea that you could have a real, like, quirky type of mentor as a result. As a DM, I'd like the idea that you you don't have to build them up into spend, oh, they're an oddity. That could mean really good or really bad. There's not so much connected to it. Whereas obviously wicked and known to some could have, like, good or bad connotations. So, okay, we're going to go for that option. So option D or number four, an oddity. Obviously, as we go through, I will make a note to read out all the options so that you know, you don't miss out as the listener. Okay, so we're going on to B, relationships. So this is the next section. So obviously we kind of talked about this already in a way. Again, we've got five options, but number four, we cannot use. So number one, favoured. You are never far from your mentor's mind. They believe you are the chosen one or some kind of generation defining genius. Oh, no pressure. Option two is star pupil. Your mentor remembers you as exceptionally bright and talented. They avidly track your progress and encourage your success. Option three, you stood out from the other students your mentor taught, perhaps not always for the right reasons. Were they to see you again, it would take only a short time for them to recall your time together. Option four, so this one I can't take, disappointment. For one reason or another, your mentor feels you wasted your potential. They think of you often, not fondly. And option five is none. Your mentor does not remember you. I think out of all the four options I have, so one, two, three, and five, I'm going to go for number three. So that's familiar. So again, I like that idea that maybe, you know, they're an oddity, but again, I didn't, I stood out for the wrong reasons or it wasn't quite how they were teaching me or I didn't understand the teachings. I quite like that. It would only take a short time for them to recall your time together. But that could be a facade, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, well, we'll go with that. So that's option C for relationship familiar. All right, next section is resources. So now I can only choose from three. So A, B, or E. So option one, master of the unknown. Your mentor has access to things beyond mortal understanding. They possess items of legend and easily walk in the places of myth. Option two, wealth beyond measure. Your mentor's wealth rivals that of some kingdoms. All that can be bought with gold is within their reach. Option C, which I can't take, is accomplished. Your mentor owns a modest property with access to a few comforts and fine materials related to their trade. Option four, which again I can't take, down on their luck. Your mentor struggles with debt, and day-to-day expenses. These bring them considerable trouble that they cannot deal with on their own. And then option number five, asteric. I think that's how you pronounce it. Your mentor places no value on material wealth, they own nothing and give away what little they find. See, I don't I don't like options A or B, the master of the unknown, a wealth beyond measure. I don't quite like that. So I think it's gonna have to be that final one of asteric. Asteric? Gosh, I don't know. So, okay, we'll go for that, where they basically place no value on material wealth and give away stuff. That, I quite like that. So yeah, we'll go for that, the final option for resources. All right, section four, skill. So I can only choose A or B on this one, but again, I'll read them all out. Option one, holder of hidden truths. Your mentor has walked between worlds and understands things that others could spend thousands of lifetimes failing to comprehend. Any who witness them perform even simple tasks can innately sense that they are in the presence of a living myth. At some tasks even gods cannot rival their mastery. Hmm. Option 2 is greatest alive. Perhaps there once was or will one day be a talent to rival your master. But among mortal beings, they have no equal. Even with your formal instruction behind you, there is much you can learn from them. Hmm. Option three, which I can't take. Competent. Your mentor has undeniable ability. They can teach you many, though there are a few lessons they now has to teach you. So it's worded. I don't know how you'd word it off the top of my head. Basically, I'm trying to make it gender neutral in my head. Option four, those who cannot do. Due to age, injury or illness, your mentor has lost much of their former prowess. The lessons you have yet to learn are beyond their ability to teach. And then finally, another option that I can't take, the final option, charlatan. Your mentor is not the person you or the world once thought they to be. Though you have learnt much from them, it has nothing to do with their own ability. Perhaps they are practiced in theory, or maybe they happen to just nudge you in the ways that have unlocked your natural talents. Ooh, that would have been a good one, but I've already used that option. So I have to pick between Holder of Hidden Truths or Greatest Alive. I'm going to go for A, Holder of Hidden Truths, because again, I feel like I've gone for oddity and this sort of familiar, but you're still a bit not all there, and the familiar relationship. I like the fact that Holder of Hidden Truths, they are beyond any comprehension. It feels a bit like Master Yoda in Star Wars. Let's face it, that's what it kind of feels like. All right, so we'll go for that. All right, and then finally, we have accessibility. So we already know which of these I can take, but I'm going to read them out anyway for the for the podcast. So in order, we have, With you always, your mentor's guidance is never far away from your ear. Perhaps they are an ever-present, watchful spirit or contact is the result of a simple spell. Whatever the circumstance, guidance is there when you need it, and absent when this drives you to achieve something on your own. Option two, a call away. Your mentor is easy to find and reach. Writing a letter or looking in a particular place will almost always gain you their ear. Option number three, rarely present. Your mentor is busy or always moving. Without specific knowledge, clever tricks, or considerable effort, it is difficult to establish contact. Option number four. Wandering wind. Your mentor is impossible to find when you need them, and the source of many troubles when they're around. It is never convenient or easy to depend on them in any way. And option five is dead. Your mentor is beyond your reach. (laughs) It's quite uh, definite, that one, isn't it? But... I have to choose call away because that is the last option available to me. Okay, so if I look back through them, reputation is that they are an oddity. Most do not know my mentor. Those who do consider their work to be far outside the mainstream of their field. Uh, My relationship with the mentor is a familiar one. I stood out. I stood out from the other students that my mentor taught, but perhaps not for the right reasons. I'm thinking maybe I was made, a, made an example of, always being called upon to get something right when I wasn't paying attention, or I got, you know, or trying to prove something. I guess were they to see me again, it would take only a short while for them to recall their time together, which I think makes sense because whilst they are an oddity, I think they would have had many people wanting to be taught by them. Okay, oh. I've looked this up now. So for resources, my mentor is ascetic. My mentor places no value on material wealth. They own nothing and give away what little they find. In skills, I believe them to be a holder of hidden truths. My mentor has walked between the worlds and understands things that others could spend thousands of lifetimes failing to comprehend. Anyone who witnesses them performing even the simplest of tasks can innately sense that they are in the presence of a living myth. At some tasks, even gods cannot rival their mastery. And last, but by no means least, their accessibility, can I access them? They are but a call away. My mentor is easy to find and within reach. Writing a letter or looking in a particular place will almost always gain me their ear. So yeah, I think definitely like a Yoda type character, isn't it, really? But I quite like that one. I think that went well. All right, let's move on to... The Veteran Heroes section. This is for player characters at levels 8 to 14. And according to this book, levels 8 to 14 characters can do some of the following. So they can hold off a squad of trained soldiers, compete in gladiatorial arenas, defeat a giant monster terrorising a community, become a champion in a massive competition, which makes sense, it leads on from the gladiatorial arena, have your actions declared miraculous. Mm avert a natural disaster, and unseat a powerful tyrant. Hmm. So we're going to do the same thing again. So this time I've got to pick a number between 35 and 70. So I'm going to get my random number generator out and we'll see what we get. 41. 41. 41 is I know you from somewhere. Your character is approached at a ball by a supremely well-dressed noble after a few minutes of conversation, you realise you know them, but you can't remember if you helped them or wronged them. This sounds good. All right, let's do this one. Ooh, oh, it's over several pages, so this is... Okay. Oh, it's, oh, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure. Excellent, excellent. I hope... Do I have dice next to me? Yeah, I've got some dice, great. I mean, where would I be without having dice within arm's length? Okay, so I know you from somewhere. This exercise will take you on a simulated adventure that you can play using a character from a D&D game. Occasionally, it will ask you to make a skill or ability checks at a certain difficulty class, or DC. This means you'll have to add your ability modifier or skill bonus to a D20 roll. If the total of your bonus is higher than the DC, you succeed. Right, right, right. Okay, um... mm 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 an... Um... All I have is my character from Xerios that's within reach for me. I'm just trying to think, do I have any other characters I could use? It's non-canon, but I'll use Aubrey. So that is my human barbarian that I've been using in Xerios for the last, it will be three years coming up on the summer. So let me just get her character sheet out. Again, it talks about a D&D character. I'd have to use a D20 roll, I assume you would be able to adapt it so it's for any RPG. So I guess with Call of Cthulhu, for example, you'd use your, like, um, your skills in a D100 and stuff. You are a guest at a ball for powerful nobility. You are approached by a well-dressed noblewoman with a predatory look in her eye. She looks familiar, but you can't place her. She greets you by name and remarks, it's nice to see you again. So I have three options. I can either try to remember, to take action, or to search her appearance and manner for clues. And depending on what I choose, I go to that section. So, mm, 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 mm. I think Aubrey, just because she comes from a whole line of nobility, and so she's had many of these balls, and very rarely has someone come up to her to talk to her. Like, she's seen so many faces, like, she's just blanked it out, so her memory can't be relied upon. So I think in this case, she would default to search, the appearance and manner of the noblewoman, and search for clues. So we'll go to section three. You reach for a familiar symbol or crest you can use to identify this person. Roll a d6. All right, let me get my d6s out. So if I roll a one to a three, I go to section 3.1. Four to five, go to 3.2. And if I roll a six, I go to 3.3. All right, let's go. I rolled a three, so it goes to 1.3. You see around her neck a cluster of black pearls, a hidden sign of the Assassin's Guild. You cover your surprise by sipping your drink only to taste the subtle notes of poison in your wine. You know, assassins carry antidote with them. You must act quickly and carefully. Make a... Oh no. Make a DC 15 sleight of hand check. Great. Um, So, Aubrey doesn't have any negative stats, which is good. My sleight of hand is a plus two... Here's the thing, though. So one thing I when I've created Aubrey is that in my head, she is the luckiest girl in the world. So she has the feet luck and what that means in D&D. So if if I roll and I don't like the result, I can choose to roll again. But then I must accept that result. And I can do that three times. Um, so I'm going to assume that is also in play because I'm being poisoned. So that's not great. OK, so I need to make a 15 sleight of hand check. I've got plus two to roll. Ooh, that was not a good roll. That is a seven. I am instantly going to use my first point of luck and re-roll that dice. Wow, that was seven on the dice. So that is a nine. So that's a failure. I did not pass that check. So go to section 3.1.1. Trying to remain calm, you offer a dance and use the opportunity to reach into her handbag. You retrieve a small bottle (laughs) After the dance ends, you examine your prize only to find a note that reads too late. You grow dizzy. Make a DC 16 Constitution Saving Throw. Ah, now, here's the thing. I'm pretty good at Constitution Saving Throws. I have a plus 7 to them. I'm pretty pretty good at those, so... Okay, Constitution Saving Throw got to beat a 16. Wow, I am rolling super poorly. That's only a 7. Ah, it's important. I'm going to roll again. That's my second piece of luck. God, if the boys could see me now. That's better. Oh, that was a nine on the dice. Plus seven, 16. I just make it. Damn, that was. Oh, that was close. So I succeed. So I go to 3.1.1.2. You pass out and awaken to find yourself in a ballroom surrounded by dead guests. Super. Take 45 damage. Oh, shoot. Any possessions you would carry, including weapons, are now missing. You unsteadily move to escape, but you must choose an exit through the back or the front. Oh, man. Oh, I'm lucky. I'm quite a beefy, beefy lady. Okay, so if the hit points... So I'm we're doing it at this level. I am 185 hit points because barbarians are crazy. So I'm currently on 130 hit points. I don't have anything. Oh, my God. I don't have my magical items... I have new weapons, okay, fine, so i 've got a choice. I can even move through the back or the front. Um, well, the back is always the best way of, of going. I think so I'm going to go through the back. I need to go to three point one point two point two. You head out the back and you make your way to the back door. go to two point two Ah. You make your way to the back door to find a band of hired thugs waiting for you. God damn it! Make a DC 15 Constitution Saving Throw. Okay, great. Um, I am going to change my dice because I do not trust this dice anymore. Okay, so I need to make, what was it, a DC 15 Constitution Saving Throw. So I've got plus seven to this roll. That's better. Those are that is the number that wants That was So 12 on the dice, so that is 19. So I pass as it is a success. So go to sections 2.2.2. Take 53 damage? Oh, come on. Expend any long rest combat powers and four spell slots of your highest level. Okay, so I was on... I on, break it down. I was on 140 hit points before. Now I'm on 87 hit points. Ugh. Expend any long rest combat powers. I assume that's going to be all of my rages. Because that's all I have in terms of long combat powers. Ah, you limp around the estate to your waiting carriage and climb in. Gosh, damn it. Okay, now go to 3.3.1. Ah, Aubrey's not having a good night. You race away from the party, hoping to put this evening behind you. About a mile down the road, some shadowy figures block your path. They shout at you to stop. You must choose. Stop and face them. Subtly draw a weapon, if you have one. Don't have one. Cast a spell, don't have spells. Reveal the necklace if you found one. I didn't no nope. <laughs> It's gonna have to be that first one. Stop and face them. Go to 3.31.1. Your opponents are strong and skilled. It is a brutal and bloody battle. You lose 60 hit points. If you survived, you managed to escape. The end. Uh so I was on 87 so yeah, 27 hit points. whoo, very close. Very close indeed. Ah. Okay, so that was a quick romp through a ball. I had to be a bit high level for that. Oh, dearie me. All right, so we've done Humble Beginnings, we've done Veteran Heroes. We're going into the final section now. We're going to go for Myths and Legends. So I've got to pick between 70 and 100, but what does this mean? So, typically, a character who's in the myth and Legends bit, so levels 15 to 20, they can uh, seal an ancient evil, battle an enemy with a small party, settle a cosmic dispute, destroy an interplanar threat, and at level 20, you can defy a god. Mm. All right, let's get the generator out. So 71 to 100. Oh, a nice in-the-middle one. This is 84 we've got here. Ooh. 84 is private secrets. Create a mystery your character has left in their wake, one that adventurers and scholars will be pondering for years to come. Ooh, all right. Let's let's give it a go. Okay, it's a verbalizing one. So this is good. This is good. All right. So the first prompt is your party broke or altered an artifact or historical site. The truth is somewhat embarrassing. Your party agreed to never discuss it. Historians have been left to fill in the gaps. So my two questions are, what really happened? And what's the most popular incorrect theory? I'm just going to do it as a generic sort of adventuring party. And there's no character attached to this one. Um, what really happened? Well, I like the idea that we broke an artefact in some way. And just because I've recently uh, edited and released artefact... I think it was a beautiful big mirror. One of those ones that is gorgeous with a beautiful frame of lots of gold and, and you know, the stuff you see in a ballroom, essentially. And maybe we're at a ball or something like that and something happened. And just so happens we, maybe I or, or well, it says party, doesn't it? It's not, not necessarily me, party. I think we got a little bit... We drank a little bit too much, and we started, you know, vying for like maybe the affections of some of the people there. You know, would you like to dance with me? Blah blah blah. And then a bit of roughhousing, and I think <laughs> then we accidentally maybe I'm um, maybe somebody threw someone pretty hard against the wall, and as a result, the mirror sort of just went like it's if you imagine it on top of a fireplace, it just. It's smacked onto the floor and shattered into a thousand pieces. And obviously it's very, very embarrassing because obviously we're guests at this place. There was quite a few people there. The most popular incorrect theory is that because in my head every ball scene looks a bit like a mix between Anastasia and that episode of Doctor Who, the girl in the fireplace essentially, we stopped a demon coming through the mirror because the mirror was acted as a portal. So we stopped a wizard like it's summoning a demon to come and destroy the party because we're famous in this land at this point. So we were just like, yeah, yeah, definitely demons. Demons is what happened there. So, so yeah, we, we managed to stop evil crossing over into our plane via the mirror. Okay, uh, prompt two. A group of people met through your party and that loose association evolved into an organisation with a notorious reputation. What innocuous event brought them together? What did they do? What ominous name do outsiders call them? Ooh, so I think that here we would have rescued a couple of people and this tag along, you know, like as minor characters do, we tend to collect them. And I think oh, let's have a ship. So we'll have a ship of some sort and we'll be collecting people off the island, like rescuing them here, there and everywhere. Basically, we're just transporting them back to a bigger city so that they can go on their way. But due to a big storm, delayed us by several weeks, maybe even a month. But people got to got to talk and they were sort of chatting together and realised there was a lot more in common than they uh, originally thought. So they thought, hey, let's let's be let's be a part of it. Let's 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 be a team so to speak i'd say there's about six to eight of them all from different backgrounds all different careers and stuff and so they all found talent together what did they do Mm. now as two thoughts that's come into my mind i like the idea that they are either a fan club of our party in some way uh like a very aggressive fan club so they they help with our mailing or something like that Or they're an improv troupe. (laughs) I'm going to go for the improv troupe because that is so funny. I like the idea that, oh, maybe, maybe they're not from different careers. No, they are definitely all bards and they're all musical and they're all like creative types who maybe don't have the, what it takes to be a true adventurer, but they love being a part of the action. They love recreating stories and stuff. So I think this organization is almost like an unofficial fan club slash improv troupe that recreates our deeds but after we leave them it gets out of hand as you know it doesn't become grounded in reality or they don't become necessarily truthful retellings of our tales what ominous name do outsiders call them Cause this is the thing it says notorious reputation notorious to me sounds like it's trying to be like oh they kill people or they're cultists or anything like that I don't think it's that at all. We need to have like a good improv team name. And this is where my brain's going to let me down a little bit. It will be something like either we all meet in a tavern. You've all met in a tavern or something like that. I'm just, I'm literally just Googled unusual improv troop names. And we've got barrel of laughs. What you laughing at? That's quite a good one. But there's one, uh, there's this one, which is in stitches. Yes, I like that, because it does sound a bit ominous. <laughs> like, they're going to leave you in stitches. Perfect. Okay, so yes, so that's what's happened. Basically, we managed to pick up various musicians or various, like, creative actor types uh, who love improv, and they formed together to make an improv troupe, which retell various fantasy adventures or, or improvises them in some way, but hilariously gets it wrong, because they're not au fait with The Adventurer's Life. But the ominous name that outsiders call them is In Stitches. Perfect. Okay, penultimate prompt. An encounter with your party drastically alters the behaviour of a well-known public figure. Who was this person? How did they change after encountering your group? What is the wildest explanation you have heard for their change? Mm, let's say... I mean, the easiest thing you can go for is an authority figure, right? So it's like the mayor of a town or the head of a certain union or something like that. So maybe, maybe a shopkeeper of some sort, actually. Someone that is someone that you would meet several times. So, yeah, someone that would be a minor character, but one that you would always have that constant reminder about. So I think this person will call, th- well, let's... Let's make it like the local magic shopkeeper, like the magic item shopkeeper. We'll call them... We'll call them Eladine. Eladine changed. um, I think... It's too easy. It's too easy to go from mean and serious to happy-go-lucky, maybe forgetful, etc. I think that's... let's, Let's change the narrative on that one. Let's go for... They were super, super talkative, like, you know, like um, one of those uh, evaluators on Antiques Roadshow telling you anything and everything about certain items when evaluating it to literally saying like one word at a time that are monosyllabic. That would be quite good. Because so, oh, that's quite, a, that is very drastic. Again, it doesn't ask how that happened. But the wildest explanation we've heard for this is that we showed Eladine something that was so rare, so beyond anything that she had encountered to evaluate, that she had no words at all to describe it. And as a result, that shocked her system. So now she is rebuilding her vocabulary one word at a time, very basic, and it may be many years before she's back to her full, flourishing sort of uh, vocab of descripting words for stuff. That I quite like. That's quite fun. Okay, last but not least, we've got... You quested after an object that turned out to be fake. Most scholars believed your group had hid or destroyed it instead. The questions are, what is this object called? What did you find in its place? What do people think you did with it? What danger is it supposed to represent? So an object that turned out to be fake. So I presume it's like a magical item of some sort. Because I recently got one of these decks. Um, I got an affirmation card deck. And essentially you pick like a card every day and the words of inspiration on it uh, help you sort of put in line with what you want to do. So I think I'm going to do something affirmation. So I think the affirmation deck of many things, that's what we're going to call it. What did I find in its place? Easily, I just found a generic affirmation deck. (laughs) That was it. There was nothing magical about it because obviously... If people know a deck of many things, that is a very high-powered, highly dangerous magical item that could be world-ending. But I just found an affirmation deck of cards anyway, which is a regular kind. What do people think we did with it? Um, I think they, they assume we have it on us at all times. That none of us gamble, none of us do anything. So I think they just assume that we have it on us It's hidden on our person. What danger is it supposed to represent? Um, So I've kind of just said it, but it's... uh, Anytime you pull a card, it has dramatic impact on reality. That could be world-ending, but in a positive way. (laughs) Because that is what affirmation is all about. And that's it. There we go. That is three different activities... From the ultimate RPG character backstory guide by James Damato. Um, they were good overall. I kind of wish I well. I hope he does a follow-up or there's I don't know ways that we could make this that it's not just D and D. Just because like there are more games out there. I'd love to see some horror ones perhaps, or generic world ones. Maybe stuff for like like Fate. That'd be quite cool. Or like um, here's one for your superhero systems. Or here's one for your uh, investigators, all that sort of thing. Yeah, RPGs not just fantasy, and I think we do need to think about that a little bit. But hey, some really good ones there. I really enjoyed it. The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howard. This episode's player was Fiona Howard. This episode's RPG activities were from the Ultimate RPG Character Backstory Guide by James D'Amato. You can buy this guide and James's other work from all good bookshops and your friendly local game stores. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon, with TwinMusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast? Check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at WAIR underscore podcast for latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply.